IVF, the magic pill to getting pregnant when nothing else works, especially when you're over 40, right? You've probably heard the same. We only see the IVF successes in the news. Chrissy Teigen, Brooke Shields, Celine Dion a million years ago, and then there was the Janet Jackson baby delivery at 50 years old. Today, we're talking about the real story of IVF and one big secret other people may not tell you. I'm in my 40s. And I'm in my 50s. We're Ted and Catherine, and this is Parents After 40. I was a television executive producer for 20 years, and now I'm a public speaking and media coach. And I've worked in healthcare technology for about 20 years. I built my own company, and I wanted to build a family. But Ted had cancer, and we knew having a baby would be tough. But not this tough, my friend. Come along as we figure out how to be parents after 40. months after getting married, we found ourselves in the office of a big fertility clinic in Chicago. After trying IUI and having a miscarriage, we were sure that IVF would be the magic bullet. That we would be pregnant soon again and that it would go all the way. We thought it'd be easy. We thought they'd do all the work. They'd mix the sperm and the egg and put it in place in the exact placement. That's what we thought. And in my head, I thought I'd be giving birth at 40 years old. I had this schedule, this rundown in my mind. We happened to get engaged at 38. Then we got married at 39. So I was like, baby at 40, let's get moving here. But my timeline would soon be blown completely. Everyone I knew in Chicago from my TV career who needed IVF got pregnant with this one doctor. So I didn't really do a lot of, I didn't do any research, actually. He's the only doctor I'd heard of. So when it came to IVF, he was the only one I heard of that did this kind of medicine. And I just figured he was the man. Well, we soon realized after one year into IVF that it's a business like anything else. He had successful numbers and he had to sell those numbers. And I get it. But it meant we'd be treated like a statistic instead of looking at us as people. Catherine was over 40, but she had some great eggs. I had banked my sperm over 10 years ago, so we really thought we could conceive our own child. After two rounds of IVF, that doctor offered us the little secret that lots of women over 40 use to conceive. We weren't ready to do it, and he was not listening to us. So we ended up going to another doctor where we had beautiful success. And that secret the doctor offered us is coming up. I want to tell you about that at the end of this podcast. But first, here are six things you need to know that we did not know before embarking on an IVF journey. Number one, IVF is a constant and frustrating waiting game. And I'm not a very patient person. Waiting sometimes an hour to be seen by the doctor. This happened every time we went to that first doctor. He ran a huge practice and seeing him was the biggest time suck. Waiting to have your blood drawn sometimes every other day to see where your hormone levels are and how many follicles your ovaries are showing. Yes, and then waiting to find out and sometimes at the last minute, when they'll take the eggs out and changing and rearranging our schedules. 
then waiting to see how many eggs were actually retrieved. And then waiting again to hear if the eggs are fertilized and became embryos. And then waiting another three to five days to hear how many embryos are still growing and would be available for transfer or PGS testing. And then again, waiting for the PGS testing results. Then waiting for transfer as you work on building up this uterine lining. So while you're waiting to put the embryo in you, you have to go in for monitoring to make sure your lining in the uterus is thick enough for implantation. And then waiting for a date for the embryo transfer and shuffling your schedules around again and again. And then waiting 11 long days, the 11 longest days of your life to see if you're pregnant while they keep pumping you with all this progesterone, which gives you all the feelings that you're pregnant, like sore boobs, etc. Waiting to see if you'll miscarry. And then waiting for ultrasounds and blood results and hoping you're still pregnant. And waiting to see if this one will stick. It's a soul-sucking waiting game. Number two, it's a ton of shots. You're going to shoot yourself up with these drug cocktails to stimulate the ovaries and to help you produce eggs. It's a ton of shots. It's no fun. Hopefully, uh, you'll have a partner or a good friend or someone that can help you with these shots because they're on a daily basis. There were days I had to reach around and contort myself to shoot the drugs into my butt. Like, imagine that, like trying to reach the back top of your butt. Most days, Ted was home to do that, and he made it fun, if it can be fun. He made it like an event. He tried to make me laugh. Sometimes he'd say three, two, one, but he really shoot me on number two, so it didn't hurt as much. And number three, you'll feel very different. Your body's going into overdrive to make these eggs, and these drugs are what's pushing it into this overdrive. And guess what? Your belly is going to get really bloated. It's a cruel, cruel joke because it's going to look like you're pregnant and you're not. You're just making these eggs and your ovaries are humongous. And it's really going to screw with your brain. For some, it just purely screws them up. You can experience depression and that's normal. You could be really tired too and that's all normal. And four, you really need to stay on your schedule. The shots need to go into the exact time each day. And that can really limit you. If you're not telling your friends, they might feel like you're avoiding them. And if you do have an event, be ready to carry around a cooler filled with all the meds and the needles and a sharps container to actually dispose of your biomedical waste. Oh, and the TSA is really hit or miss with this. Sometimes they make a big deal about the drugs. Other times they just don't. I had to fly with drugs and needles a few times to see clients, and it's a total pain in the butt, literally and figuratively. And number five, and you might have guessed this already, it's pretty expensive. And if you have insurance, you'll still pay a ton out of pocket. While we were going through IVF, my company was based out of a state that didn't require fertility insurance. So Kathy had to take out her own insurance policy in Illinois. We paid a ton of extra insurance for a few years. We really had two plans for a couple of years. While most drugs were covered through insurance, some were 80-20, and a few just of the most expensive ones were just not covered at all. Yeah, that's what really sucked is like, The one that was definitely not covered for every round was the one that cost around $900 for one or two vials. And that drug lasted about three days. So I had to keep reordering that one for $90 out of pocket. And it's just, it's, that was not fun. And the other thing that is not covered is PGS testing. That's pre-implementation genetic screening. It's about $3,000 every round. We're going to do an entire podcast on PGS because it's worth it. In 2018 alone, we spent tens of thousands of dollars for IVS treatments. 
That financial burn alone can stop someone from trying IVF and really does add to the stress. Number six. This is the sixth tip. Everyone calls IVF babies miracle babies, and you may get really annoyed at that. Since when does a miracle take so much work and cost so much and mean so many shots and so much of a time investment? I started to get really annoyed when people said, oh, well, your miracle baby is coming. It's like, in my opinion, all babies are miracle babies, and this should not be reserved as something to say about an IVF baby because this is not a miracle. It's like we worked really hard to get pregnant. All right, now, ready for that celebrity secret? This is something we did not know until our first doctor offered it to us. Fertility starts to decline after the age of 35. So many women and lots of these celebrities you see getting pregnant late in their 40s do so by using someone else's egg. So using a donor egg, using a younger woman's egg that may have a higher chance of fertilizing and then becoming an embryo and then going and having a successful child, having a live birth. Our eggs just aren't as good after 35 and definitely not as good after 42 and 45. Some fertility experts, and I absolutely agree with them, warn that when celebs use this donor egg to have a baby and are not open about it, then it gives false hope to other women. Now, we understand why celebrities wouldn't give that information like, you know, hey, I used a donor egg. But think about the false hope it gives to other couples. And really, you know, unless you get right into the numbers, you just don't think about it. And, and women think they have plenty of time or, or can go well into their 40s. Um, but really, you don't. Um, we learned that the dropping off point is really about 42. And that's when Catherine still had good eggs. If you Google it, you'll see that the, the ability to, to produce eggs and have a successful birth really just drop off a cliff at 42. That's true. So if you want to have a baby, my advice, personally, my advice is don't put this off. Don't put this off thinking that you have plenty of time in your 40s. Thanks for listening. This podcast is all about the journey, the journey of getting pregnant over 40 and then being a parent over 40. Stick with us along the journey and please share us with a friend who you think may find us helpful or just a little entertaining. Follow us on iTunes, Instagram, or Facebook. If you subscribe to Parents After 40 on iTunes and leave us a review, we'll be able to reach way more people who need a friend like us along their journey. 